0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Adar and our job in the month of Adar is to search for him when he's hidden. And that's why, by the way, the halacha is that Purim has to be in the second month when there's an extra Adar, not in the first. And the reason is that Ge'ulah has to be Seichem The redemption has to be close to the redemption. So the redemption of Purim has to be the month before the redemption, the redemption of Mitzrayim. The Nigla has to be right next to the Nistar And the answer is, if you look for Hashem, when he's hidden, then he's going to reveal himself. So Purim is when he was hidden. And therefore, since we are so happy when we find him on Purim, then Hashem rewards us with revealing himself. Sort of a game of hiding go seek, you look, you look, you look. Either you find the person you're looking for, or if you can't find him, he comes out and says, you know, you couldn't find me, but here's here's where I am, the game's over. So that's sort of what Purim, what Adar, and... and, um, and what need what what the month of Nisan is about. So very, very fascinating. Um, I never spoke about this before. I actually saw it last week. I'm trying to figure out I haven't been in it so long when I saw it. I saw it a week ago. And the question was asked that in last week's Pasha, Pasha Tsatsava, so the regular Kohen, he only wore four begodum. He wore a hat. He wore a shirt, he wore a pants, a Siam, Kisarnas, and he wore an avnate, a belt. A belt, pants, shirt, hat. How come he didn't wear shoes? And we know the Gemara says that a Kohen, and I can testify to it because I am a Kohen, a Kohen has hot feet. a so Gemara, why does a Kohen have hot feet? He always takes his shoes off. Sometimes, even when I teach, and I take my shoes off because I'm very uncomfortable in shoes. Um, and because the, the floor of the Beit was cold. So if he's continuously walking on cold, he's going to get sick. So Hashem made it that his feet were always very, very warm. Now, that we're not walking on cold floors, and your feet are... So Kohanim have warm feet. They have very bad stomachs, um, which I can testify, because they ate meat all day. They didn't have salad in the Beit dish. There was no no salad, there was no... No uh you know they had some bread, depending on the carbonos that were brought, but they definitely didn't have a lot of carbs, that's for sure. They didn't have any potatoes or any of that in the basement. So pretty much what they ate all day long for breakfast, for lunch and for supper, was meat. And how was the meat prepared? It wasn't cooked, it was broiled, it was roasted. So you can imagine what your stomach's like if you get up in the morning and what you eat is lamb chops and then steak and then, you know, ribs. That's what they ate. So they had miserable stomachs. And they also didn't like eggs too much. They liked meat. So I can tell that also. I don't eat, da- I don't eat dairy. Um, I could eat a steak at 6.30 in the morning, no problem. We have chulant in the mountains. We have an early minion. Quarter to nine, we're sitting there, we're eating cholent and kishka. and No problem. Kahanam have that, that ability. Um, it says that people think that we have very fast tempers. It's not true. It's not true. We don't get angry very fast but sometimes we do. But the reason is because we're in this pressurized situation in the Beit HaMikdash. Um, and therefore, since if you spill a little bit of the blood or your makhshavah your thoughts a little bit off, the carbon isn't good. So we used to work two weeks. That's it. Two weeks out of the year, the kohen worked. And we were very, very nervous during those two weeks. But the rest of the time, we were very chilled. We were actually the teachers. We were actually the rabbeim. Um So this thing, that don't marry kohen because he has a very bad temper. It doesn't really say that anywhere. Okay, so the question is, why didn't they wear shoes? So a very fascinating answer. It says in Parsha Shemos when Moshe Rabbeinu met God by the burning bush, so Hashem said to him, "If you want to talk to me, take your shoes off." Right? Why do you have to take? You? I would think that when you stand in front of a rabbi, right, you're going to take your shoes off for sure. Not so if you stand in front of Hashem, it's very disrespectful to stand there without shoes. So why would God say that I won't I won't talk to you unless you take your shoes off? But I'll, I'll quote the pasuk. Um, Hashem says the following. By Hashem, Ki So Liroitz VeYikrei Level Okim Yitechasneh. By Moshe Hashem said Moshe Moshe, which means he loves him when you say the name twice. By <inaudible> Yom he said I'm here. By Yom Hashem said, al will Tikreiv Haloyim. Don't even come close to this place. Sal Na Alechem <inaudible> Araglecha. Take your shoes off from your feet, why should you take your shoes off? Listen carefully to the word. To the place that you are standing, oh Standing? Admas kodeshoe. It's a holy place. Why do you have to take your shoes off? So the answer is as follows. Very beautiful. Why does a person wear shoes? To walk. Right? If you stand still you don't need shoes. So a person wears shoes to go horizontal. What we do in our life is we don't go vertical. We don't go this way. People, we walk left, left, right, north, south, east, west, right? The world is horizontal. That's how we are as as beings, right? So, shoes are to help you go horizontal in this world. When Hashem told Moshe Benu, so when you stand in front of me, the horizontal has to be gone. You have to go vertical. You have to go you and me. Shemayim v'aretz. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, shoes are to walk, are to go horizontal. And the word in the passage says very carefully that Hashem says, when you are standing in front of me, because when you are in front of Hashem, you can't be walking around, you have to be standing. When you are standing in front of me, take your shoes off, because shoes represent that you're going, that you're moving, that you're leaving, that you're going horizontal. That's why when we daven when we to Hashem, right, we should turn off our cell phones. And we should have nothing... We should have kavana. We shouldn't have to do with the horizontal world. We die, we put our feet together, and we become vertical. You don't walk around in Shmona Esrei. You can't walk around in Shmona Esrei. You have to stand still. What well, I have to stand still. Hold down hold when down, I'm walking around. You're not supposed to be walking around, but some people walk, do better when they walk around. Right? So hold down. Why Shmona I'm not allowed to walk around. Shmona Esrei is the, is the holiest part of the tefillah. Right? That's the holiest part of the... When you're in that position... When you're talking to Hashem, and you have the 18 Ba'at HaKadosh, HaToChainin, and you're in that that position, you can't walk. You have to be vertical. How do we know this? When when Yaakov Avinu had a dream, what did he see? He saw a ladder. And he saw Malachim, Vi V'Yordimbo. They weren't going north, south, east, west, left, right. They were going up and down. So when he woke up, Yaakov Avinu said, I didn't know. Maneira Ha I didn't know that you could be in a horizontal world and that at some point of your day you could go vertical. And that the Malachim of Tfila that are going up and down are not going sideways, but they're going in a vertical position. A Kohen, when he's in the base Migdash. he has to be on the level that there's no reason for him to have shoes. Where are you going? You're in the base Hamigdash. And everywhere you stand in the base Hamigdash, it's Kadash. And therefore, you have to be in a vertical state, not in a horizontal state. So when the Kayan is in the base Hamigdash, there's no baguette. his feet have to touch the floor. And therefore, instead of giving him shoes, they gave him hot feet, so that he doesn't catch a cold all the time. But I could rather say put on nice warm shoes, put on a nice pair of Uggs, right? They didn't wear Uggs in the base Hamigdash. Right? That would have been something. But they didn't wear arms in the So we, as people, we have to understand that at some point in our day, we have to go from the horizontal world, from the iPhone and the and the emails. I'm not, I don't talk about Facebook anymore, right? And all this stuff that's going on. I'm talking to this one. I'm talking to that one. I'm working my homework. I'm busy. I'm totally horizontal. I am all over the place. At one point, I stop taking shoes off. Metaphorically. You have to take your shoes off, and you have to stop, and you have to go vertical, and you have to let all the horizontal stuff out of your life, and you have to go vertical between you and a kodesh baruch hu. Did the kohanim davening bring some korbanos? Well, their davening was bringing korbanos. Actually, in the Beit midrash, they, they were busy bringing It Doesn't say they didn't, they didn't stop the daven. No, no. And, and interestingly, when in the kohanim, when we duchin, when we bench klai yisrael, we take our shoes off. We don't wear shoes we we, we go, tur- the coin doesn't, when you do Bichas you're not allowed to walk around. You have to stay, put your feet together and stand still. Because we're taking the bracha from Shemaim. It's coming into the Kayen, right? Vaniya avorachim, And then we, we send it out sort of like horizontally through our hands. Whatever. It's Kedusha. So we take it vertically. We can't be, can't be wearing shoes. We can't be walking around, right? That, that, and every person needs to, at some point in his day, go vertical. And stop running around and stop making yourself crazy. And the more you go vertical, the more the, the more you create this ladder of malachim that are going up and down, right? And my amalchamahu Yaakov Avinu said, this is an unbelievable world. That in a world of, of of so much craziness going on, you could stop and create Jacob's ladder. You can stop and create Yaakov's ladder. And that's why in Parashat Tetzaveh, there is no begad for the Cohen or the Cohen Gadol to wear on his feet. His feet were bare. So I think it's just a very important lesson for all of us, and that when you're in, when you're in your vertical state, you got to be vertical. You can't have your phone, you can't have your mind flying all over, and all the other different things. That it's it's just an interesting thing that a, that a, that a, a person has that kayak. and that's why I said, "Why are you take, why are you coming in front of me with your shoes on? Shoes are representing like like you have sneakers in class. Like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to run, go play ball. I'm ready to go run. Take your shoes off and stand in front of me. If you don't have your shoes, you can't go anywhere." And, and and you wanna to talk to me, you wanna get close to Hashem, you gotta be without your shoes metaphorically. You have to be horizontal. you have to be vertical and you can't have this whole horizontal world with all this Michigas with yourself running all over the place. They don't mix. You gotta take your shoes off when you talk to me. I so said I never learned this before, I never saw it before, and I, I found it um, very, very, very interesting. So last week, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, a girl came to my office. She's 27 or 28 years old, and um, she came to talk to me, and she sat down in front of me, and she was like, you know, I don't I don't understand. I, I really do everything I'm supposed to do, and um, I'm at Snua, I do Chesed, I'm good with Chivet HaBe'em, and uh, I, I just, this is what she said, um, I just don't see Hashem. I don't see Hashem in my life. It's not the first time I heard that. I've heard that many times. I said, how do you want to see Hashem? She said, if he's really there, how can we stop doing miracles? Maybe he just created the world and he left. He created the world, put it on automatic like your job's clock, right? Created nature and let nature take its course. Maybe he's talking to this big supreme being, creates things, leaves and creates more things. I don't see him, which is, this is very close to courses. This, this is not a, you know, and this is a very healthy, firm girl. And she's, she's saying to me, if he's really there, how come he doesn't reveal himself? Bottom line, Ador, this is what Ador is. So I told her the following. I want to share this with you. It's very, very important. I said that I have a friend who's in the kitchen business. And a few years ago, we were driving up the FDR Drive on our way to the mountains on a Thursday evening. And we drove by this huge, huge apartment building on the east side. And we drove by, and he's like, Hey, Zach, look at that building. Huge building went up. I said, Wow, it's really nice. He goes, What do you see? When you look at that building, what do you see? I'm like, An apartment building? He says, No, but if you look closely, what do you see? I'm like, a building I wish my father would have owned, then I wouldn't have to go to work, right? <laughs> he says, no, come on. I, don't I said, what do you want from my life? Why do you, you ask me this silly question? I see the power, I see uh, bricks. I don't eat windows. He goes, no. He says, you know what I see? I'm like, no, what do you see? Kitchens. 300 new kitchens. I'm like, I hear you. He says, that's what I do for a living. So when I look at a building, I don't see bricks. I don't see rent roll. I don't see sinks. I see potential of a lot of kitchens. He says, and I want you to know that when I hire a salesman, I don't let him go out until every building he looks at. And I ask him, what do you see? He says, kitchens. It has to be in his blood. I said, you know what? very interesting because if I were to go with any girl here in this room into a Barnes & Noble where there are thousands of books I sell plastic shopping bags and paper shopping bags, that's what I do for a living and I sell them to Barnes & Noble so if I walked into a Barnes & Noble and asked you what do you see, you would say thousands of books I don't care about the books I see thousands of bags and on those bags i make a living so when i go into a store and everyone and i make their bags and everyone's like wow look at this beautiful dress and look at that beautiful dress i'm like come on don't you see the bags (laughs) now what girl in this room right pays any attention when she leaves macy's to the to the paper shopping bag that they put it in Right? And you put one bag into another bag, into another bag, into another bag. And you could be in a mall and you could have 20 different bags. And and I'll ask you, what, what kind of bag does the Gap have? I'm in the business. I know exactly what kind of bag the Gap has. And you'll say, I don't know, a plastic bag. Does it have a string? Does it not have a string? What kind of bags? Are the small size the large size? So when I go into a store, the first thing I look at, I don't look at the clothing or the shoes. I'm like, what kind of bag are you using? Maybe I can get them as a customer. Because my business is bags. His business is kitchens. And if a plumber would have looked at that building, he would see toilets and sinks. 300 new toilets and 300 new sinks. So I said to this girl, I said, this is the problem. If you study Hashem, if Hashem is your business, if that's what your life is about, then whatever you look at, you'll see Hashem. But if your business is your clothing and your phone and your social stature and your schooling and all this other stuff. So that's all you're going to see. You're not going to see Hashem because I don't look at a building and see kitchens. I'm not in that business. And you don't go to Barnes and & Noble and see bags. Maybe now you will, right? But you don't see bags. You see books because you're there to buy books. So I told her the following, which is a very... outlandish statement but I I definitely will um, I definitely will stand behind it I said actually the miracles today that Hashem does is way bigger than what he used to do for instance I came back from Eretz Yisrael um, three three weeks ago so I'm on this plane right I actually was flying Delta on this, this trip I'm on this plane. I happen to have been flying business class. The Delta seat goes flat, like a bed. It's the best seat. It's like a bed, right? And I'm sitting on this plane. Now, I'm not watching movies. I don't watch movies. I'm going to actually stroll, first of all. Even if I would watch movies, I'm not going to watch them going to Israel. But I don't watch movies. So what do I do for ten and a half hours on the way to Israel? So I put on the screen... And I watched the plane, you see that channel on the plane, which shows the plane leaving New York, and it says, uh, time at destination, time at arrival, how much time is left, how many feet up your, and, and, and it's, it's, it's like, it's really, really boring sometimes, and then you fall asleep, and it said like nine hours left to go, and you wake up hoping, and you look at that screen, you're rubbing your eyes, and you're like, maybe it's like, I slept for seven hours, like seven hours, two hours left to go, and... You look closely, it's not a two, it's a seven. You're like, oh gosh, I only I only slept for two hours. And it's very interesting how it goes across the Atlantic Ocean and over <laughs> Europe, and right? And it says on top, 40,000 feet, you know, altitude, minus 69 degrees Fahrenheit outside. Like we're going to go for a walk, right? You know, you need to know that also, right? And it's doing 695 miles an hour. It's got all this information. So that's what I look, that's what I read. And it goes very slow. Everything moves very slow. Anyway, so I'm sitting there looking at this screen. And I'm looking around this plane. And people are on their iPads. People are eating a nice hot dinner. Kids are laughing. A lot of people are watching movies. Right, we got our soda and our food. Bathrooms. This plane is hurtling at 40,000 feet. At close to like 600, maybe 675 miles an hour. That's very fast. And I'm thinking to myself, 5,000 miles from Kennedy to Tel Aviv, what's the big deal about Kriyas Yamsov? Kriyas Yamsov, the water split, and 12 different, right, for each tribe, but they had to walk. They were on the ground, they walk from one side to the other. We don't walk. We get on a plane, we sit down, and 10 hours later, we're 5,000 miles away, and the furthest we walked was to the bathroom and back, if we did that. Kri <coughs> Nyamsa was not 5,000 miles, <coughs> much shorter. And we, as human beings, yes, Hashem made a miracle that he, that he split the Yamsuf. Here, but we walked. Here, we're flying. Human beings are flying, but we're not flying at 200 feet. We're flying at 40,000 feet. We are above the clouds. Can you imagine when the Jews were crossing the Yamsuf, if you would have pointed up at 40,000 feet at a piece of metal, and said you know there are 375 people sitting in there eating right it's like Crescent, It's the same story they walked through they were eating right the temperature in the, was perfect even though they were in the desert when they were walking later temperature is 49 degrees below zero outside it's 70 degrees and if it's 74 I got my little air conditioning blowing on me right and there's light and electricity which they didn't have in those days and I'm thinking to myself God you are so hidden in this plane. You gave, and I'll tell you what changed when Hashem started stopped being nigla, when he start, stopped being revealed. What did he do? How did he hide? Very simple. Instead of him doing the miracle, he gave us the technology. He just put it in our brain. You think anyone in this room is smarter than Abraham Abinu? Believe me, Abraham Abinu was much smarter than we were. But when he went to the Akedah Yitzchak, he was on a donkey. Now we'd be an Alexis. With air conditioning, right? So, how come he didn't have it? How come he didn't have the technology? And the answer is because at that time, Hashem revealed Himself. He didn't do it through the human being; He did it Himself. Moshe Rabbeinu just held out the stick. Because ha- Baruch do all the miracles. Now, it's way past the stick; it's the iPhone. You understand? <laughs> with a, there's a big medrash that in the Yomsof. Reuben was on this row. Vinyamin was 12 rows away. And the Medjish says, you're not going to believe it. I Hashem made a miracle that Rubain Shemim, Rubain, could see Shevet Vinyamin on the other side, 12 rows away. How many feet do you think that was? 1,000 feet? 2,000 feet? Now the Medjish is one of the miracles at the Yamsuf. Right now I could pick up, I don't have an iPhone, but if I had an iPhone, I could pick up my phone and Skype my daughter, see her, talked to her in Eretz Yisrael, which is 5,000 miles away. So big deal, they saw 12 rows. Big deal. I see, I can see in Australia, I can see in China, I can see across the world. I can see across the world. If you were to tell someone in those days that they could see with their eyes across the world, they would tell you either you're a witch, right? Some kind of crazy power, or Hashem is making the craziest miracle in the world because a human being can't see across the world. It says... Adam when he was created could see from one end of the world to the other well guess what everybody in this room can see from one end of the world to the other just get an iPhone in one corner and you have an iPhone in the other corner and you can Skype each other the first Medrash talks about Adam Adam could see from one end of the world to the other so can we but what did Hashem do He hid himself in something called technology. So he gave the human being the ability to do all these miracles, which is a miracle within itself that a human being can have the brains to do all this technology. And he hid himself, and therefore we walk around, you could be on a plane, and when the plane landed, everybody today also, I landed very early this morning, From Florida, I spoke in Florida last night, so I I took a JetBlue at at six o'clock in the morning. It's very interesting to make a plane at six o'clock in the morning in Fort Lauderdale. If you're in Miami, you got to get up at like three thirty-five because you got to return the car and you got to fill it up and everything. Right, right. And it's 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 interesting. And I I learned a very important lesson. So I didn't want to miss this plane today because I had a very important meeting today at one o'clock. So I put my cell phone car my cell phone alarm on for three forty-five. I called downstairs to the hotel operator and said, I need a wake-up call at 3.45. And in the hotel room, there was an alarm clock. I put on the loudest that it could be, right? Figured this thing's going to, because I didn't have much sleep. So I had this one going off, five-minute intervals between the three of them, right? I was sure there's no way I'm going to miss waking up, because if I miss the 6 o'clock, I'm missing, my, I'm missing my, my, my meeting. I couldn't sleep. I got up. It was 2. I went back to sleep. It was 2.10. I went back to sleep. I couldn't sleep because I kept worrying that I would miss the alarm clock because I'm a guy and we could sleep. we could sleep through three alarm clocks no problem. I had this fear I'm going to wake up it's going to say eight thirty. And I said to myself, "Look at you, you can't sleep. You got three alarm clocks on. Why? Because you don't want to miss a meeting. Would you do that not to miss Ma'ariyosma or Datiyoni Right? And here I had such a fear of missing the plane because I had a meeting. I said, I have to learn, I have to learn from that. I never ever had that fear of missing Minion on time or missing a shear that, you know, at seven o'clock. Alright, so if I miss it, I oversleep, eh, I'll get it tomorrow night, whatever it is. It was a, it was a big, it was a big lesson and I, and I was so worried that I could not sleep. So here you have technology, the human body. They didn't have in the times of the, of, of the Beit Hamikdash, that, that you could look at someone and know what's going on inside their body—they didn't have MRIs, and they didn't have CAT scans. We have crazy stuff. We could look into your brain. They would have probably said that you were a sorcerer. You can look into someone's head and say, I, I, "I see something in your brain. I see something." It's unbelievable. We, we do, we do, we do, we do um, on eyes and on hearts. We, we can, we, we, we do heart transplants. Where do you see the Torah heart transplant? Right? It's crazy to take... But what happened? Hashem is hidden. So anything that happens in the technology world, is technology. Anything that happens in the medicine world, is science. And anything that happens in the world, is nature. So he gets no credit. No matter what he does, it's all hidden. Why is it hidden from us? Because we don't live... He's not in our life. He's not a kitchen. He's not a plastic bag. So I can look at a flower. What do I see? A flower. I look at an iPhone and I'm on a plane. So when I landed this morning, when the plane landed, the few people were awake. The whole place was out, right? It's a six o'clock flight, right? We're clapping. I said, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. You can't land a plane without Hashem. It says even in in the Tfiltha Derek that you say that you're thanking Hashem for the angels that are under the wings. There's a special Tfiltha Derek for an Aviron, for a plane. You're thanking Hashem, you understand that the only reason this plane, the only way that this plane can take off, right, with all the inertia and all that baloney, that there are angels underneath those wings. And if those angels are not underneath those wings, that plane is coming down. So, there's so much in our lives that we have, we just don't see them because we're not in that business. We're not in that business. We're busy with everything else. We're horizontal. So we don't see Hashem. As I'm told, I told this to this girl. We don't see Hashem anywhere. The this, 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 this Super Bowl just happened. So the team that won were the Seattle Seahawks. Now the Seattle Seahawks coach, his name is Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is a holistic very spiritual coach. In fact, the whole NFL was making a lot of fun of him because he has all these 250, 300-pound guys in, in, the, in the locker room doing yoga before the game for an hour. If you can imagine, these huge linebackers, right, sitting there with their feet folded. Uh, so, you know, doing all this yoga stuff and holistic stuff. So everybody in the NFL was making fun of this team, like <laughs> a bunch of weirdos. Like, they eat, they eat salad. It's like he's a very holistic, spiritual guy. So no one thought that they would win the Super Bowl, and the whole time he did this in college also. He's very famous for this peak count. Okay, now that he won the Super Bowl, everyone's gonna do yoga. Right? So, he gets up at a a news conference, Monday morning after they won the Super Bowl. And I happened, I don't know where I was flying, but I I was on a plane also, and I was listening to this, to this, to this news conference. And he gets up and he says, you know, Saturday, before the Super Bowl, It was like 19 degrees here in New York. See, usually the Super Bowls played indoors. And they took a chance with playing outdoors. Not in, If it's outdoors, it's in California. It's in Florida. To play in the middle of the winter, the biggest game of the year, it could be a snowstorm. It could be 10 degrees below zero. But it came out that it's going to be in New York this year. So everybody was very worried about it. Shabbos, Saturday, was 19 degrees. Sunday for the game? I don't know if you remember. It was 49 degrees. It hasn't been 49 degrees since success. 49 degrees, sunny, gorgeous, beautiful. Like they said, the best day for football. Too hot, it's very hard for the players. They're sweating. Too cold, it's very hard. A lot of injuries. 49 degrees. Monday morning, after the Super Bowl, we had six inches of snow. So it's like amazing that the one day they're playing... Hashem made a sunny day 49 degrees. So Pete Carroll says, it's amazing. Saturday it's 19 degrees, 10 degrees below zero wind chill. I don't understand how they figured out that wind chill by the way. When I was growing up, whatever the thermometer said, that's what it is. Today it's very exciting, it's 10 degrees, 40 below wind chill. I don't, I don't, I don't know they put somebody out there and say how does it feel? I don't know, I don't know how it works. But anyway, so, he says, so Saturday it was 19 degrees. Sunday, Monday we got snow. And for some reason, Sunday it was forty-nine degrees, beautiful day for the players and the fans. He says, "So you're wondering why?" And I'm like, "We're gonna have a kiddush Hashem. Somebody's gonna talk about God." He says, so you're wondering why? He says, "I'll tell you why. To teach us all the power of the NFL." <laughs> I promise you, that's what he said. The National Football League. And I'm sitting there, I'm like. What? The NFL? Hashem made a beautiful day for your players so you can win the Super Bowl? The power of the NFL? Are you crazy? And you're spiritual? And I I understand why. Because he's football. So the most beautiful day has to be about football. Has to be the NFL. I'm plastic bags. That's what I see. My friend is kitchens. That's what he sees. Pete Cowell's NFL. That's what he sees. It could be a miracle. You could be sandwiched between 19 and a snowstorm. And all of a sudden, there's a beautiful day of 49 degrees. And you're not saying it's God. You're saying it's some other power. So I told this girl, and I'm telling all of you. If you want to see Hashem, then you have to be in His world. That, that's what your your business has to be a person who Hashem, does mitzvah is close to God we'll look at a glass of water we'll look at a rose we'll look at a fruit I mean if you think about it and I don't know if anybody thinks about it I think about these things you take a seed and you put it into the ground I gave a class yesterday to a bunch of boys in Florida and, and I told them this I said guys I was talking about this year I'm like, your body is 98.6 degrees. Right? People pay a lot of money to go to Florida. 98.6 is hot. Everyone here, from the day you're born to the day you die, you hope it's 98.6. If God forbid it goes up two or three degrees, you're sick. You have 101, your whole body's going down. You don't feel well, your aches, you gotta take Tylenol and medicine, and you don't, and you're going to the doctor. It's only three degrees. Big deal, right? No, your body's 98.6. From when you're born until you die, you should live 120 years. If you do the amount of hours that you you're, you have this heat on, do you know what it would take to heat a room to be 98.6 for 90 years? Do you know how much oil, gas, electric, coal, wood it would take to heat a room to be 98.6? Steady, steady the whole time. <coughs> so I said to these boys, Where's your oil? Where's your wood? How do you? How are you burning at 98.6 all the time? How is your body at 98.6? Where's the wire? What do you plug into? Anyone here know that we're made from ash and mayim and afra and ruach? Where does the ash come from? So if you learn in science, you eat food and that helps your machine work, which generates the 98.6 degrees. But one second... Where's the energy in the lettuce? Where's the energy in the fruit? Where's that coming from? Right? In the end of the day, you're going to go back, you're going to go back, you're going to go back. You're going to have to say that it comes from God unless you live in the world of nature. If you live in the world of nature, it comes from nature. 98.6 all the time. No coal, no fire, no oil, no gas. You're all walking around at 98.6 without any fuel. Your heart beats, I don't know, a million, billion times in your lifetime. Continuously beating, continuously beating. Your temperature is at 98.6. You have no fuel. Your fuel is what grows in the earth. Now let's look about what grows in the earth. So, it would be amazing for women, right, if you could cut your nail and plant it in the earth, and this big, beautiful nail would grow. Right, you wouldn't have to go to the manicure so much. You get those fake nails, right? And you could just so instead of doing that, what you really all you need to do is when your nails are short, right? Just go outside, make a little hole, stick your finger in, water it, right? Leave it there for a day or two. You're going to pull it out. It's going to grow. Nothing will happen except they'll put you away because they'll say, "What are you doing, Sarah? Uh, I'm growing nails. How? Yeah. By putting my finger in the ground." okay guys caught her away she needs a little bit of help right but but you take a little apple seed eat an apple tonight take a look at the size of that little seed look at it under a magnifying glass look at it through an x-ray open it up what's inside some white stuff there's no energy there's nothing there now you leave that seed on the table nothing happens you put that seed in the water Depending what the seed is, you might get a little plant, you know, those beans we used to do as kids, right? But from your apple seed, nothing will happen. And all of a sudden, there's no energy source. Zero energy source. You take this seed, you put it six inches into the ground, the ground has no energy, you put your finger there, it does nothing for you. You can't drive a car by putting earth in the engine. There's no energy source for us in the ground, we need oil. It's just a bunch of dirt. And this seed, you put it in the ground, starts to grow. And a huge tree with a lot of fruit. From what? My nail didn't grow. Kiddush Baruch Hu put the power in our soil that if you put an apple seed and an orange seed and a tomato and a potato, whatever you're going to put into the ground, this ground who has no energy at all, zero energy, who can't drive anything with sand or with dirt, for some reason, has the energy to produce an apple tree. And we all sit there. Happens every day. Did anybody... Now I'm talking about it. Did anybody ever think about what I'm talking about? No. Why not? Because we don't study Hashem. We look at an apple tree. Some people look at an apple tree. They see a lot of apples. They're going to go to market and sell it. The guys from Mott, they see applesauce. Depending on what business you're in. Right? The guys from Very Fine, they see apple juice. Everybody sees something else. But who sees Hashem? Who sees that this ground that has no energy source at all, a tree is growing? Who sees that a human being who has no energy source at all, their heart is pumping, right? So many times, and they're at 98.6 degrees, and there's no source. There's no source without electricity. So the reason that I told this girl, the reason that we don't see Hashem is because we don't live in His world. We live in our world. We're horizontal. We're not vertical. So I told her, you want to see miracles? You have to start getting closer to the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Not only in in, in things that grow and things like that. In things in your life that you walked into the room at this time, that this happened at this moment. You, if, you, if you're close to the Kodesh Baruch Hu, there's no such thing as chance, oh, I can't believe I met you, I, it's just by chance, there's no such thing as chance, so the more you study by Hashem, it's like, you know, I, I, today, somebody called me, I called somebody back, which is not a usual situation, right, and I, I saw a number, and I, and, I, and I had a moment to call her back, and I called her back, and it's ringing, and they needed something from me, and it's ringing, and it's ringing, and you know, it's like one ring before it goes to the recording, she picks up, and I'm like, hi, it's Robert Wallstein returning your call, and she goes, oh my goodness! So I'm thinking, like, I'm not that bad a guy, right? She goes, no, you don't understand. I need to talk to you. But I decided, because I was very busy today, I'm not answering my phone. For the next hour, I'm not answering my phone. She says, the phone's ringing. She didn't recognize my number. It wasn't on her, on her phone. The phone's ringing, the phone's ringing, the phone's ringing. And in my head, there's like this little bird saying, I think you need to pick up this phone. She said, I was about to let her go to messages. She said, I cannot believe that I just picked up the phone. I got this whole speech before she even talked to me. Right? And she said to me, I am trying to reach you. You're supposed to speak for us. And I, and I, and nobody can reach you. And I need to tell you what we do. And, and I, I can't believe I just picked up the phone. I just made up 10 minutes ago. The phone's been ringing. I haven't answered it. I said, enough. I'm not answering the phone. And I look at this number and something in my head says, pick up the phone. You have to pick up the phone. And I'm like... That's something in your head. That's not something in your head. Cause the same something in your head told you not to pick up the last five calls. Cause Baruchu wanted you to pick up this phone call. So people could just walk out and say, oh, it's just lucky I picked up the phone call. Or people could see that it's Mama Shasha. So I think that the lesson of the no shoes and of being vertical and the lesson of the NFL and the lesson that we need to learn is if you want to see miracles, Then you have to study Hashem. That has to be your business. That has to be your life. If that's your life, you will see Him everywhere. If that's not your life, you will see Him nowhere. The Gemara says most of the best doctors will end up in hell. That's not nice. And the answer is, because the better the doctor, the more he says science. The more he learned science, the more he blames it on science. So the greatest doctor in the world is not going to say it's God. He's going to say, science, medicine. There, there's, a, there's a Chazal that says that actually medicine has no power whatsoever. Tylenol has no power to take away a headache. Zero. If you, You'll find that after 120 years, that no medicine in this world can do anything. And that God, says, that God created medicine so that you don't see that he's healing you. But really, there's zero power at all so the more we're close to him the more that we study him the more we'll see him so I said to this girl you're 27 years old you need to start studying her. you want open miracles do me a favor Kriyat Yavsav doesn't even come close to flying at 40,000 feet on top of that a, I'm sure you learned this in Mara when Kriyat left Mitzrayim they came to this place of water it was an oasis so how much water could there have been there a lake and it was bitter and Moshe Rabbeinu threw a stick in it and it became sweet right and everyone's like Miracle, it's one of the miracles that happens in the Torah. I'm like, in Haifa, in Eretz there's a plant, a water plant. It produces millions of gallons of clear drinking water from salt water. It's called desamalization, something like that plant. It takes salt water, and from, from out, of, out of the plant comes clean drinking water. Eretz Yisrael's clean drinking water is mostly from that plant. So here, we're getting crazy. Moses, throw a piece of wood into a little pond and it turned into fresh water and right now as i'm speaking millions of gallons of salt water is being turned into fresh water what's the difference over there he threw a stick in what could a stick do right to hashem everyone said "Ooh, miracle miracle wow turned a little pond into clean water here he gave us the power so millions of gallons of water is being changed into clean water. Not one human being walked around, turned on the sink and said, Miracle, what a miracle, Hashem. This is salt water that I'm drinking that tastes perfect. So he took himself, and all these miracles in the Torah that are, that are unbelievable, he took himself and he hid in technology. And we don't find him, we don't look for him. So he is so hidden and nobody's looking for him. That's the malacha, the job of all of us to do in the month of Adar is to find Hashem's hidden essence. And if we do that, he says, you find my hidden essence, then I will reveal myself in Nisan and bring Mashiach. That's what he said. But in this year we have two Adas, to work harder in our, our Adas, and that is the greatest Simcha. The greatest Simcha is the surprise. So if 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 my children who are in Eretz and they're like, okay Tati, we're coming home this and this day, Right? We're coming home, and this is and this day, and, call and, and, and I'm like, okay, we'll meet you at the airport, right? Believe me, I'm very happy. But imagine, tomorrow morning, at 8 o'clock, my bell rings, and I'm like, who is it? And it's my daughter from 12 to surprise me. I'm going running down the steps, if she's coming from the airport. I'm like, okay, put your luggage downstairs, I'll see you by breakfast. Right? Because I know she's coming Wednesday morning. But if the bell rings, and she's like, I'm like, who is it? Right? And it's It's Bat Yisraeli. I'm like, oh my God, it's Surprise, Bat Yisraeli are here. Well, Manashtana, in both cases, they're here. So what's the difference? The answer is the surprise. When you find God in the Nister, that's a surprise. When you're looking for the hidden, and all of a sudden it's like, you can see him, the excitement, of course, when he reveals himself, right? There's an excitement, Hashem's revealed. You think that's a bigger excitement. It's not the bigger excitement is the search the search the search and all of a sudden you find him and it talks about I don't know if it's in Shir Hashim, somewhere where I search for you I search for you I cannot Shir Shira Hashem I cannot find you I cannot find you and Shlomo is looking all the way and all of a sudden he meets the Shirem and they're like I'll tell you where he is that's the that's the Godless and that's the Mishinich Ado Mamo, Simcha when you go into Ado and you're looking for Hashem and you find him in a, in, in a flower in, a, in, in an airplane in all these different things that we have you find him it's a much bigger simcha, And then in return for that, Hashem is niggle. I want to end very beautiful from, from Rabbi Yisrael Salanta. I never said this story. He said, it's it, it, it it's very connected to what I said tonight. So Rabbi Yisrael Salanta was walking past a restaurant, a coffee shop, with this Talmidim. And he walked in, and he asked them how much is for a coffee. And they said, I don't know, whatever, what, $3 in there. So he, he said to the owner, $3, coffee is hot water, and some beans. How could you? How could you charge three dollars for some for some beans and for some hot water? And the owner said, "Ramai, it's not for the beans and the hot water. The cup. You know how much money I spent on the decor of of this beautiful restaurant. I have paintings, air conditioning. Right? It's not just the coffee. It's everything that I have to spend in my right waitresses. It's the whole scene. So it's all has to be figured in into the coffee." He said thank you very very much and he walked out and he got a glass of water and he made a shahakal and he turned to his talmidim and he said it's the first time that I made a correct shahakal what are you talking about he said I always made a bracha on the appreciation of the water but I just learned from the coffee shop there's a lot more going on than the water I'm drinking the water, it's cold, I taste it I'm in a world with flowers, and look what Hashem did. Yes, I'm having a cup of water, but there's a blue sky, and there's trees, and, there, and, there's, and, 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 and there's 70 degrees, and there's a sun, and look at the restaurant! So when you make a shahako, it's not just on the coffee, on the beans, it's on everything! He says, I never understood that, but the coffee shop owner understood that. Godless. Godless. That's seeing Hashem in the whole scene. So when you make a bracha shahako on the water, there's a lot more going on. Not just the water, it's where you're in, and that you can taste the water, and it's cold, and you can see it, because if you can't see the food, you, so they say a blind person is not able to taste the food, so there's a lot going on, and that everything is working, that you can taste it, right? There's a lot going on, so when he made that shahako, after the restaurant, he was like, he was like, wow, Rabbi Miller, fantastic story. I'll, I'll end with this, well, I have another little short. Fantastic story, he's working with this, tell me, this is so Rabbi Vigda Miller, it's amazing. And they're walking, I don't know, Ocean Park or whatever it is. And they went for a walk. All of a sudden, it starts pouring. And the guys are like, Uh, Rebbe, let's hurry up. Let's hurry up. You know, we got to get you back. It's getting wet, whatever it is. He doesn't have an umbrella. And he says, no, no. Walk slowly. There's no rush. Like, Rebbe, Rebbe, you're getting, it's, it's pouring. You're getting wet. He says, what do you see coming out of Shemaiah? What do you see? And they're like, Rain. Lots of rain, a lot of water. He said, but what do you see? They're like, rain. He goes, wrong. Tomatoes. Cucumbers. Potatoes. Flowers. Grass. Trees. It's raining trees. Tomatoes. Grass. Potatoes. What's the rush? Enjoy it. He lives in Hashem's world. He saw that the raindrop, what does the raindrop do? It produces all this. What's the rush to get out of the rain, said Rabbi Miller. Imagine looking up at rain and seeing tomatoes. I mean, I would run into the house just being scared. But godless, he understood. He understood. He was able to see the nister. He was able to see what was hidden in the raindrop. The raindrop is potential for growth. That's the godless in the nister. And that's the godless, the greatness in being a good teacher. And in being a good parent. And in being a good wife and in being a good husband. Is the ability to see the nister. Not to see the kid that's sitting in front of you. But to see what this kid's going to be in 20 years from now. Rabbi Greenwald always says that. When I look at a girl that I'm teaching, I'm looking at a wife and a mother. I'm not looking at a 16-year-old brat. Who's giving me trouble in school. Who's answering me back. He says, I don't see that kid who's answering me back who's a machutziv. I see a woman who's going to be married, who's going to have children, who's going to be a grandmother one day. I see the potential and that's how I treat her. It's Godless to be able to see that. That's being able to see in the Nistar. And guess what? When rain is tomatoes and cucumbers, potatoes and grass and flowers, then you're happy to be in the rain. When you're in Ador and you're able to see the Nistar, when you're able to see the potential, then you will be a person, you're not going to be depressed. You're going to be a person who is very, very happy. There's a boy in Florida that I just met. He walked over to me. He said, Reverend Wallstein, you don't know me, but I listened to your shiro. He says, but I'm a little bit depressed. I said, why? He says, I'm 23 years old and most of my friends are married and I feel very left out. They go out, husband and wife, they don't invite me because they think I'm jealous or I'm going to feel bad. So they have they do things for Shabbos. They don't invite me to the table because they're scared that you know I'm going to see all them as as a couple and I'm not. He says I feel very very left out. And not only that, there was a wedding, and 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 the, the guy didn't have anyone to dance. So I called my friends, these single these guys that used to be my friends, if they would come and be with sameach to Chasson. This guy said his wife doesn't let. This guy said he's going out with his wife. He said I know I'm not that old. I'm only 23, but I feel very. Very left out. He says, and I have two older sisters, and I'm really not going to be able, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to really go out until they get, so, so like, I'm, I'm really stuck over here, and I, I lost all my friends. So I said to him, I said, that's a reason to be depressed. And so now I'm going to tell you a reason to be happy, that you're 23 years old, and you're not married. So he's looking at me, (laughs) really? I'm like, Yeah. Because right now you're not married, you don't have a choice. You have two older sisters. Whatever the reason is, you can spend go till one o'clock at night. You can go for for Chai Lifeline. There are kids that are sick in hospitals, and they need someone to sleep overnight with the kid. You know, even though there's a nurse to be with the kid all the time. I said your friends can't do sleepovers. They're married. You are single, so you need to live in where you are right now. So you, talk are not married. But you're single. So you need to think about... So now that I'm single and I'm not married... What can I do with being single? I could be depressed. Look at all my friends. Or I could do stuff they can't do. They're married. They can't be out late at night. I could do... I could go away for two, three days... With with Camp Simcoe wherever, wherever they're going to Florida. Where I could go away with them. These guys can't leave their wife for three days. I could do so many things. Yes, I want to get married. But don't live in where you're not. Live in where you are. And where you are figure out. So I don't have all these things. How do I use my situation to do things instead of to be depressed? Potential. Every situation that you're in, there's a potential to do something with it. And he said, I never thought of it that way. You're 100% right. I'm all upset. I could do stuff my friends can't do anymore. I said, I want you to get married. I hope you get married, you know, very, very soon. But right now you're not married. And I told it to this girl. I said, I want you to be married. I want you to marry the next guy. But you're 27 years old. So don't make yourself crazy. You're single, you can do stuff that other girls that are married can't do. Right now, for some reason, Hashem, you're not married. So instead of feeling bad and and, and, and not looking at the potential, you're 27. So find out what a 27-year-old girl who's single can do that a married. You can help camp simply, you can work with autistic kids. You can tutor kids at night, which if you were a mother of your own kids, your husband would say, why are you tutoring someone else's kid? Okay, we got three of our own. But right now, you're a single girl. You can tutor three girls at night for free. You could change your whole life. They're failing math. They have totally low self-esteem. Tutors are taking $75 an hour today. You don't need the money, right? You're working a whole day. You can take a kid and save a whole life. Instead of sitting and saying, oh my gosh, I'm depressed. Let me watch a movie. Let me watch another movie. I'm 27. I'm not married. I'm 27. I'm not married. I don't know why you're doing this to me, Hashem. But it must be for a reason. So if I'm single, then I'm going to do something with myself being single. And I'm gonna use the ability that I, that other, that married women can't do until the point that I'm gonna get married. That's the ability to see the Nisra. That's the ability to live with Hashem. If that's what, that's where I am Hashem, that's where you put me, so I'm gonna use my ability in this position to do the best that I can. And if you live in the, in the Nisra and you find Hashem in the Nisra and you find something to do with your Nisra, then of course will be Magala himself. And it's, and and it's a Simcha. You don't want to be single at 27, don't get me wrong. You don't want to, but if you are, and you're not depressed, and you're going out, and you're doing all kinds of crazy, the the girls who, who run Ornava, right, they were, they were, they got married very, very late. And trust me, I wanted them to get married. But while they were single, they created Ornava. Every one of them, all the girls that created Ornava, my three main girls that created Ornava, I met them when they were single. And they created Ornava when they were single. They didn't sit at home and get depressed, the three of them. And they were not young girls at all. And they got out and they said, we have to do stuff for girls. All three of them were single. And the reason that Ornava is here is because they didn't give up. They said, Hashem, I'm going out. I'm doing what I want. With well, The guy I like doesn't like me. The guy that likes me, I don't like. I don't know what you're doing, God. Go send me the book. they're all married. And they all have a bunch of kids today. Boli all of them, Baruch Hashem. But when they were single, they were working. They were here every single night. They built this place up. Not me. They built this place up. So, that's using the Nister. I don't understand why you're doing this to me Hashem, but I'm gonna use it for the best. And this guy walked away. He's 23 years old, which is not the end of the day, and he walked away, and he said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna call Chai. Because if they need sleepovers, I can do sleepovers. My friends can't do sleepovers. And he's happy. Can so we rather be married? For sure. But right now he's happy And he doesn't look jealously at his friends He's like, they have one part of their life Hashem made their shidduch I'll have my shidduch But until then, I can do so much stuff That they can't do I can dance at weddings I can go places they can't go And, and that, that, that That's what brings us to simchul. My bracha to everyone is That if you live in the Nistar And your business is God And you see God everywhere I guarantee you That if you see God when he's hidden He will definitely reveal himself That you'll see him when he's revealed Thank you very much and good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.